If I sit here, is that fine? Can everybody see? Because if I stand it, it seems so far. Um, so, as I shared this morning, when, when we pray, just to give a bit of a backdrop to where, where I feel God is taking us this morning is... Um, is this thing about faith. Now, it's an it's, it's a easy word to use. It's an easy thing to say. And yeah, we, we do this and we do this. And that's called faith. From the word go, when we accept Jesus Christ into our hearts, that's a faith decision. Because we have not seen him. He has not spoken to us. In an, well, maybe he's spoken to you in an audible voice, not yet to me. But... It's not like we've had a conversation like this and he's introduced himself like he's done to the disciples and those things at any stage. But the revelation inside of us put there through the Holy Spirit, the gift of the Holy Spirit, the moment we hear this scripture come alive and speak to us, by faith we accept the knowledge that Jesus is real, that he came to this world, that he died for us, that he walked upon the face of the earth, that God ordained it to be that way, that God, the three in one, started right from the word, word go in the beginning in Genesis by, by creating Adam and Eve, by creating the earth. That is what we believe. That is what our faith is built on. Um, so we, t I think at times we take it for granted um, and we don't always acknowledge which part is faith. Where if, if we are, as believers are living, everything is faith. Because it's the only thing that makes sense. Even the word says we are no longer from here, but we are from him. And we live according to his statutes. So the whole premise of what I want to share this morning is um, walking out that, that decision. It's, it's a day-to-day. -day. It's, it's a choice. It's, a, it's everything that we do. Um, and, and I want to do it through sharing um, what, how Jesus, I feel, described it in a manner um, in, in John 9. Just so, so that's where we go. Faith, living out faith. And, and faith is not just for you. It's for those around you. It's for your family. It's for, it's for every individual. And as you live... And you live according to those statutes that you believe. People start adhering to it. People see what you do. You become an example. When you start showing those characters that, that, that Christ showed, those things, all of those things. And you, without your knowledge, your faith is touching many people around you. And there's a morning that people will wake up. And because of your faith that you show that, that you displayed, you might not even know that in three months' time, said person who sought your faith in action wakes up to a situation, but because of what he's seen in you and through you, makes a decision, makes a decision for his family, makes a decision about whatever it is, changing jobs or whatever the case may be, and it was you living out your faith. So... That's the premise of where we're going. So John, uh, John 9, um, I'm reading out of the Amplified uh, version. So, um, yeah, for me it's just very descriptive. But just to uh, give a bit of a backdrop 
to the story. And in John 9, um, Jesus meets up with a man that is blind from birth. So before we read the, the scripture, I, I thought just it'd be good to paint a picture of this blind man. Okay, So born blind from birth. So this all takes place in Jerusalem. And the laws and the things at that stage in Jerusalem was if, if you had any suffering, they would say in the word, um, if you were blind, if you were lame, if you had leprosy or whatever the case may be, out of the synagogue it was preached that it was because of sin. You had this thing because of sin. No other reason. Um, this man was birthed out of sin. So his parents had to live with this all their life. That somewhere along the line something went wrong and they sinned so tremendously that what was supposed to be a blessing became a curse for them. Because he was blind. And in the eyes of the law, in, in the eyes of, of those that preach the word, that's sin. Um, he became a disgrace to, to his family, to those around him. Um, I don't, don't want to spend too much time on this, but it is good to have the backdrop of what happens here. Um, the religious uh, dictators, um, because that's what Jesus calls them, further on in this, this chapter, says that the root of his blindness is sin. They actually mention it, I think it's in verse 36, where they say, you are so sinful from the crown of your head to the soles of your feet. You are fully covered in sin. Who are you to even speak to us? So this man's whole image of, I'm blind, I've never been able to see. He's living with, well, they sinned, I'm paying the price. Every day he needs to go out um, and beg for food, beg for money. So they were given, they were given cloaks to wear. Um, if you were lame, you had this color. If you were blind, you had this color, which represented the, the default in this person and the, and the sinful nature that has caused them. And for you to be able to ask for money or for food, you needed to have this cloak on. You, if you did it without it, you were thrown out of Jerusalem because those were the statues and the laws. And if you're a citizen here, you will pick up your lot in life, you'll put on that cloak, you will wear what has been spoken over you, and that is how you will live your life until you die. I mean, that's a death sentence. Let's be honest about it. You're there, but you might as well not be there. Your family's not mixing with you. It's, so... I'm not trying to make it worse than it is because it's that bad. But I want us to see how the grace of God comes in and how faith in Him changes that, those situations in our lives. Um, he's labeled a cast out, needing to conform to the ways of man, to have and to live life. He needs to accept. Okay, what you say is, though I don't feel it, um, I don't really know what they did. Mom and dad doesn't know. I don't know. But, but okay, if you say that, the law can't be wrong. That, that's the way it's always been. I mean, Moses said it, so it has to be. Moses never said it. They just referred to Moses saying it because they, 
they find themselves in a space where their word is not good enough, so they'll, they'll pull on Moses' string and who's going to talk against Moses? Number one, he's not here, and number two, he's the one that wrote the law. So it's, it's, it's that power play that they do. Um, there were the family di uh, difficulties, relational challenges. He might have been very, very alone. He might have just had one or two friends sitting next to him because you were only also allowed to be at certain spaces in Jerusalem. Not everywhere. You were appointed a place. It was normally a place where not a lot of people would go by because they wanted you out of the way. So money, food, life as a whole. He was either very desperate for a change or he just gave up hope completely in life and just lived so with that comes in chapter 9 and it starts off verse 1 so that's just to um, for us to have a backdrop so verse 1 starts off and it says as he passed along he noticed the man blind from his birth so I love that um, we'll go at it verse by verse. And I love that that he says he noticed the man blind. It's not us that notices God first in our life. It's God that notices us. He knows He knows us intimately and he knows everything about us. Um, and even when you feel alone, even when you are in a, a desperate, desperate place, he knows. Just as encouragement for you this morning. He noticed the blind man from his birth, not the other way around. His disciples asked him, Rabbi, who sinned, the man or his parents, that he should be born blind? So you see, they, they know the law. They know the statutes that if you're blind, somebody sinned. Was it him? Was it mom and dad? Jesus answered and said, it was not that this man or his parents sinned. But he was born blind in order that the workings of God should be manifested, displayed or illustrated in him. Now I wrote here, I'm going to read to you. Many people in Bible times, especially the religious leaders, assume that if a person suffered, it was because that person had sinned. There are consequences for sin. But suffering is not always directly caused by a person's sin. Hence Jesus Christ. He suffered for us, but not because he sinned. Yet he suffered. And Jesus is now opening up this whole new world to his disciples and even to this blind man that it's not always because we sin and there's consequences. Sometimes it's life and life happens. Goes on to say, the secondary purpose of telling us about this event is to teach us that illness and disease is not always due to one's personal sin. It is often due to the fact that we live in a fallen world riddled with sin and evil. Just a, a, a quick thing here. If we go back to the Old Testament, um, the, the enemy is only mentioned prophetically in Isaiah um, as Jesus refers to seeing him being kicked out of heaven like a lightning bolt. Um, but when Israel and, and they suffer or they, they experience sickness or these type of things, the blame was always put towards God. They did not have a revelation of the enemy. 
And that's why many people could not understand when the enemy was introduced through Jesus Christ, bringing the word, bringing the truth. It was difficult to understand because so God did not allow it. Because if we go to the New Testament, there is no sin in God. There's no sickness in God. God does not do this. God does not come and say, well, you will. Unfortunately, we do live in a sinful world, a fallen world, and things happen. Um, and this is what he's trying to explain to them. But in all of this, he's, he's wanting them to see that his grace and his mercy is sufficient to bring healing. So, verse 4, he says to his disciples, We must work the works come back to this the works of him who sent me and be busy with the busyness of, of while it is daylight night is coming when no man can work so what Christ sorry is saying is this we've got to be busy with laying our hands on the sick prophesying life rather than death and um, evangelizing bringing the truth to those around us we need to be busy with the reason why why christ was sent in the first uh, first place making disciples because daylight is short and when he's, he refers to um, uh, um night is coming it's when he gets crucified the three days uh, three days he's referring to that and he's saying it's short my time is short we need to be working the works of him who sent me we need to show and display the love and grace of God that has not been displayed ever before. Verse 5, as long as I am in the world, I am the world's light. Now I want to, want to sidetrack here. My favorite scripture in the Bible is 1 John 4, 17 that says, um, in this union and communion with him love is brought to completion and attains perfection with us that we may have confidence for the day of judgment because this part because as he is so are we in this world as he is so are we now read the scripture of the knowledge god is saying through paul uh, uh, through john writing this he's saying as he is as jesus christ is so are we in this world now read the scripture again with the knowledge that you are like him what is it saying as long as i am in this world i am the world's light you see there's a responsibility on us an onus on us we are the light jesus is not here now but because he has ordained us we are that light in the world what light are we? If we were to ask ourselves or look in the mirror this morning, what light are we to those around us? Are we portraying love and acceptance? Are we, are we willing to forgive? Are we willing to love when it's difficult to love? Because that is Christ. That is the light that came forth. That is the light that died on the cross. Just as a side note there. Verse 6, when he had said this, he spat on the ground and made clay, mud, with his saliva. And he spread it as an ointment on the man's arms. Now I want you to take note here. This man was not even 
acknowledge that he was speaking about anything that concerned him. He has not been introduced to this man. There's been no communication. There's been no physical touch. Nothing. Jesus is speaking, noticing him, starts sharing this revelation with his disciples. And the next moment, he spats in the ground. Makes mud. And he puts it on this, this guy's eyes. Now acknowledge you're that blind man. You hear this person speaking. The next moment, you feel his hands on your eyes. You don't know who this is. Something's happening. And you you in smack in the middle of it. I love this verse because it takes us back to how God created us out of the dust of the earth. That God would use this to explain to his disciples this miracle, this revelation. This verse just again echoes God's creative power. The creator now recreating as he did with Adam and Eve. Verse 7. And he said to him, the blind man, who must be astonished, what's going on here? Go wash in the pool of Siloam, which means sent. So he went and he washed and he came back seeing. What do you think this guy went through? Just for a moment. He doesn't know Jesus. He's never heard of him. Never before. Has anybody healed a blind person? This has not happened. This is contrary to the word. He's given the opportunity to see. Christ spits on the ground, puts it on his eye, and he says, walk. Now you're walking. You're, you, you need to realize, if you're not where you are, you cannot get money, you cannot get food. You are standing up relinquishing all of that because the stranger has told you that he's put this on your eye and if you trust him if you believe in him and if you walk and if, if you see where he was and where the pool is it wasn't like he, it was done here and the pool was where that pool is he needed to find his way there that's faith that is and therefore, I believe he was so desperate for his life to change that he was willing to hang on to this stranger's words and to get up, to leave his cloak. We'll get to the cloak as, as we finish off um, the word. And he gets up and he starts walking. Now, when you get to the Pool of Siloam, do yourselves a favor and, and Google it. It's also called the, the, the Pool of Mary which is a whole story in that on, on itself. But you would literally walk into it. It's not just a little pool and then you splash yourself out and then it happens. You immerse yourself in the pool. That's, that's what it was there for. You immerse yourself. Now, he was not allowed to immerse himself there. It was only for the Lani. It was only for the, the, the exception. The, those that, according to Stan in life, only for them. Here comes this blind man without his cloak and he's walking straight into this. There might have been somebody that helped him. They might have had a friend helping him there knowing, seeing, oh my word, if this doesn't work, we are in trouble. And even if it does work, we are probably in big trouble. Yet they persist in their faith and they, he immerses himself in this pool and he receives his sight. 
Still, he has not been introduced to Christ. He doesn't know him as a person. This has happened. Verse 7. Um, I'm gonna... Verse 8. When the neighbors and those who used to know him by sight as a beggar saw him, they said, Is this not the man who used to sit and beg? Now listen to verse 9. And try and link up with things in your life today. Some said it is he. So some will acknowledge, okay, it might be. Others said, no, definitely not him. But he looks very much like him. But he said, yes, I am the man. So they said to him, how were your eyes opened? If it then is truly you, how were your eyes opened? We still don't acknowledge that it's you. We're not going to do that. It might be, but it might not be. But, you know, how did it happen? Clearly you can see. Verse 11, he says, He replied, The man called Jesus made mud and smeared it on my eyes and said to me, Go to Siloam and wash. So I went and I washed and I obtained my sight. I want to pause there for a moment. That word obtained in the Greek is dihomel, if I'm pronouncing it correct. But it's, it's got four, four avenues to it. And, and, and this is the premise of what I wanted to do this morning. Our faith needs a working out. There's a walking out. Like he needed to get up, leave certain things behind, walk to the pool. He had to work out that faith in him. Sometimes it takes desperation. Sometimes it takes whatever it is. You work it out. Now, the four, the four avenues to that is accept, receive, take, and secure. All of that is, is written up in the word obtained or received. So, first... He needed to accept that what, what is happening is real. And he needed to make that deci decision to receive what has been given to him. And in accepting and in receiving it, he needs to get up. He needs to take hold of it and walk it out to secure it. So it's a progression. This obtaining is a progression in our faith. We receive from God a word. And you wake up one morning and God speaks to you and he says, I've got this for you. And you read that scripture and you know, this is for me and this is now. I don't know what it entails. I don't know where it's taking me. But I just know that I know that I know it's a word for me and it's in season. Okay. And I accept it in, in, in my spirit. I accept that this word is from God for me. And I'm sure it's happened to all of us. By accepting it, I'm receiving that it's mine. Then I start taking it. How do I take it? By reading it. By meditating on it. By working through it. By studying. By, by praying through it. I start taking it and making it mine. And then there comes the securing. 
The securing is the part when what God has said and my journey on that scripture has taken place. There's a place where that word and time and I and God and heaven comes together. I call it the sweet spot. And things work out. And it makes sense. Suddenly it dawns on you why God has given you this word. And there's that securing of, my Lord, now I know and thank you. Thank you so much. Because of that and because of you leading me, I'm here. And I'm grateful to be here. So that word obtained, when he says that to them, it holds way more emphasis than just, and then I obtained it. It was, you don't realize. You probably don't because you can see. But when this man Jesus came to me and he spoke, I was not even aware he was speaking to me. And then I hear him spitting in the ground and I can feel his presence up next and close to me. And then the next moment I get this fright. He's putting mud on my eyes. Why would he do that? And then he's expecting me to leave my way of life, my only means of life. I need to take that thing off. And once I take it off, it's done. I can't have it back. You're going to see now as we, as, as we finish up. I can't put that cloak back on. I surrender people's help. And then I got up. Might have had a friend, might not have had a friend. Gone to the pool. And immerse myself where I'm not allowed to. I can get cru crucified. I can get stoned. I can, whatever the case may be, the Lord predicts me not to be there. Yet, I'm choosing to secure this word out of desperation that this man Jesus has given me. And he ends up and he says, he obtained his sight. Now, all of this. And it's, it's the way Jesus did his things. I mean, it's just, it makes you love him even more. He did this on the Sabbath. He did this on the Sabbath. You're not supposed to heal people on the Sabbath. You're not supposed to do these things. So, this person was probably prompted by the fact that this rabbi is telling me to do this. He knows it's Sabbath day. He knows I'm not supposed to, but yet he's... But if he instructs, I will follow. And he ends up seeing. So you can go read the rest of that chapter because I want to move on to another part. But just the rest of the chapter is this whole argument where this man is brought in front of the synagogue. And he's got to explain where he got his sight from. And the more he says, well, from Jesus, this man, Jesus, they say, no, it cannot be. We cannot acknowledge him as a prophet. We will not acknowledge him as a prophet. Because if we do, we are saying we are in the wrong. And we are not in the wrong. So they end up getting his parents in. And they're so scared of the whole situation. They say, well, we just, we don't know. He's of age, let him speak for himself. Yes, it's our son. Yes, he was blind, but we don't want to speak for him. We, because if you spoke up and you spoke against the synagogue, you were cast out. You were cast out. That means, greater, a greater picture here, um, the synagogue is where they gathered. And every year, 
They would do atonement for the whole Israel. They would speak blessing over the whole of Israel. And if you were kicked out, you will not be blessed. You will start living as a family, as cast out in Jerusalem. So it was all about um, retaining the blessing, retaining that standing in life to have a life. So they saying, no, he's of age. He can speak for himself. Let him speak for himself. So not even there. They are prepared to. And he just stands, he says, and they start saying, well, this man you are referring to is a sinner. Sinners can't do this. He says, well, if you say sinners can't do this, then he's got to be who he is and who he says he is because he's definitely not a sinner. And it ends up where they throw him out and they cast him out from the synagogue and they say, you are not welcome here. We will not have this. We will not stand for this. Um, this Jesus is an imposter. And then Jesus gets ear of this. And Jesus turns around. Don't you just love the, the, the intimacy and the intentionality of Christ? That he turns around, goes and meets this man again, introduces him to him and says, um, I am Christ. And if you believe in me, you will have eternal life. And this man immediately says, yes, I believe in you. I believe in you. And then the chapter ends off with, the Pharisees and the Sadducees says, so if we don't believe in you, then, then you're saying we are sinners. Then we are blind. And the whole premise there is this. Jesus came so that our spiritual eyes would be opened. They, 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 they remain blind in the spirit because they just focused on the natural, what they saw. They were not prepared to see what, what Christ was revealing to them. Now, I want to take you three months later. It's round about three months. Don't quote me on it. Because some say six, some say three. I'm going with three. So, but round about three months later. And, and, and this is where we're finishing up. You remember right in the beginning I said that when we choose to follow Christ, we live out faith. And it's not just for us. It's our walk. But our walk becomes multi multiple people's walk. Because the word of God says in Revelations. It says, we will overcome this world by the power of the blood and the word of our testimony. So when God speaks to us in faith and we live that out and we secure that faith by what happens through Christ. Um, we start testifying about God's goodness. We start testifying about, while I was sick, I am healed. Something that happened to me that I want to share here, just as a testimony, but to, to bring across the point, is about seven years ago, I was playing tennis on a tennis court, and um, my body just completely collapsed, out of nowhere, just collapsed. I started vomiting and um, I lost about seven kilograms in a space of three days. It just everything just upside down. It happened so to be that my kidneys failed, both my kidneys. Never had an issue before, never. But they failed. 
went, went to the hospital. They had me on drips and stuff, but nothing worked. I could not sleep for three days with the amount of pain that I was in. My, my legs, I would lie down. They would do this the whole time. They would not last all for three days. So they made an emergency meeting in Pretoria for me to go through to where the, I don't know what you call it in English, but the, the doctors that look after kidneys and things like that, they're there. I need to go there immediately. But just before we go, my wife and I, my father-in-law, we have communion in the, in the hospital before I'm off. That was in front of Baal. I was on my way to Pretoria. And um, as we do that, God just gave my wife a word for where we are. That settled us. Um, I think they're more than me because I was like shaking and everything. But um, it was a word in season that we held on to and we had communion around that word together to solidify that and said, well, come what may, this is what God says in this moment. So we will go with that. Went then, they did it, they needed to do, is it biopsy? Like go in. So got there, they did the biopsy first time, went under and the whole thing came out and they said, well, we must have done it wrong because we can't pick up anything. There's nothing. Your kidneys look like an 18-year-old's kidneys. No, you've got to go back under because somehow this needs to be explained because how does this happen? In the meantime, my full body functions. The moment I arrive there, everything returns. Normal. I, I cannot explain it to you. It's like I was doing this. I got there. I'm no longer doing that. Mm. The pain gone. True. It just everything as it ought to be. So they put me under a second time. Go back in again. Now they're not just taking a biopsy of the one. They're taking off both. We're going to make doubly sure. I wake up. Uh, the doctor comes in. She's, she says, I have um, heard of these things. I've not seen these things. There's absolutely nothing wrong with your kidneys. I've already signed your papers to be released. Please, sir, go home. From finding the word to receiving it, to taking it, to securing it by faith, that there was that sweet spot moment, that culmination of all of that coming together. And it can only be God. It can only be God. So, as I read this, I want you to understand that the person we're about to read about heard of this blind man. That Jesus, he did not even know Jesus. He, he probably heard of him. And he's heard how he's healed lame people. How he's touched the, lepre uh, the people with leprosy. How he's spoken to the dead. And they would rise. And he's had this burning in his heart that if I could just hear him, if I could just get close to him. So we all know the story of blind Bartimaeus um, and how he receives his sight. I want to read. Now, it's, it's in Mark. I've got the verse here. I don't know what Mark, what it is. That is wonderful. I'll give it to you. Sorry, guys. It cut off. I think it's 18, but I'm going to lie to you. I'm not, I'm not sure now. But verse 46 says this. Then they came to Jericho. So this 
all of this that prior happened, what we've been speaking about, happened in Jerusalem. Now Jesus is in Jericho. So news travels. And it's come, um, this, these stories about, about Jesus. Have, have you found it, any of you? Blind Bartholomew, maybe if we do Google, sorry. It's cut off. You probably want to be there. I'll give you time. Chapter 10. Chapter 10. Mark. Yeah. Okay, there we go. This, so it's Mark 10. We're at verse 46. Then they came to Jericho, and Jesus and his disciples, together with a large crowd, were leaving the city. A blind man, Bartimaeus, which means son of Timaeus, was sitting by the roadside begging. When he heard that it was Jesus of Nazareth, he began to shout, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. The exclamations there, he was a lot louder than I was just now. He's trying to get Jesus' attention. Many rebuked him and told him to be quiet. But he shouted all the more, Son of David, have mercy on me. Jesus stopped and said, Call him. So they called the blind man. Cheer up on your feet. He is calling you. Now, this verse is what makes it so powerful. The previous guy let go of everything when he got up and he, and he walked into the pool. He let go of all that religion of what the, the, the conformity of what man thought of him. This man heard that story. And what is the first thing he does to show faith to Christ? What's the first thing he does? Throwing his cloak aside. He knows what is coming. He has heard Jesus do these things. He knows he's getting up and he's going to see. Because this Jesus did it for this man. And he's going to do it for me. That is the faith that through the first blind man was instilled in this man. Through stories. Through testimonies. Through sharing. Through conversations. This man's faith was stirred and built up. That the moment he heard about Jesus Christ, he was ready to let go. And that's why he was making such a commotion. Throwing his cloak aside, he jumped to his feet and came to Jesus. What do you want me to do for you? Jesus asked him. The blind man said, Rabbi, I want to see. Go, said Jesus. Your faith has healed you. Immediately he received his sight and followed Jesus along the road I want to end there you see when we choose to follow Jesus and to live by faith it's such a powerful statement every day because the life we live the life we share with those around us we don't always see the impact that it has we see the impact that it has in our lives. But we are called to be the light. If, we, if you go back to verse 6. We are called to be the light. We are called to be like Him. 
Our faith is not just for us. Our faith is to be shared. Our faith is not just for us. And I know, we've all had the experience where we would testify, and there were people just like here, just with this blind man, that said, no, cannot be, mm -mm, something's wrong. Or there were people like, yeah, we want to believe, we've heard this, but maybe we've been those people. Maybe we've been the people that, that asks, well, it's happening for them, it's not happening for me. There's so many scenarios. This morning, just as an encouragement, I want to put that song on again and just you be with God. I want, I want you to ask Him, Lord God, help me in living out my faith so that it brings glory to you. May I be like the first blind person that's prepared to give up religion, my stand in life, my conformity to life and the statues that people expected to be. May I be as bold as that. So that my life, in three months from here, six months from here, maybe for my kids, when they've grown up and they're married and they've got kids, that maybe something, even, even minuscule, that I've done, that they've seen, and growing up with me in my home will have impact on them when they need to make a decision. <clears throat> you see, faith is not just for us. Faith is what binds us together. Faith is what makes us believers. Faith is the language that makes us hear when, when the word or the name Jesus Christ is mentioned. Like I prayed in the beginning, that, that place of belonging, that place of... This is where I want to be. So as I put the song on, I don't want to say too much anymore. I um, just want you to spend time with God. And afterwards we'll pray. But maybe there's a battle in your life. Something that you're walking out in, and you've been walking it out for long. And it's, it's not coming to an end. Maybe you just need to be encouraged to morning, this morning in that. Um, maybe your faith needs a stirring up again. Um, or maybe it's just, Lord God, thank you. Thank you for just reminding me how precious and absolutely not cheap faith is to you and to those that I love and are around me. So I want play that. Thank you. 
getting is you're facing a lot of turmoil you feel you wake up and everything is just it feels completely there's no order and there needs to be order and you need to have control but there is no control and the more you try and get hold of it um, the more you feel things aren't working just have this word for you just let go. Usher, usher in the peace of God. Just let go. Um, there is a space of peace for you. There is a space of peace. Um, I am very aware, just so that you know, you don't just say something, you're held accountable in front of God in saying stuff. So when I do say, I do want you to know that um, I do it in reverence of Him. Because I know I need to give account of it. But um, if that is you, or maybe you know somebody, it might be somebody that you know, and you've had this conversation with them, maybe go share with them, um, let go, usher in the peace of God, and all those things will, yeah, there's a way things just work out. So, Lord, we thank you this morning for your word. We thank you for the gift of the word. We thank you for Jesus. Christ who came to this earth, 
died for us, gave his life so that we can live. We thank you for the seed that was sown this morning. We thank you for the gift of faith. Faith binds us to you. Faith moves us. Faith empowers us. Faith creates more space in us. By faith, Lord God, receive our love today. Lavish us with your love in the mighty name of Jesus. I bless each and every person here. I pray that this whole week will be a blessing. Every day this week, your mercies will be new and will celebrate who you are in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Thank you for that. Thanks, Tim. Really. It's a pleasure. Thank you so much.